guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Don't let biased algorithms or degree screens or exclusive professional networks or stereotypes. Don't let anything keep you from discovering the half of the workforce who are stars. Workers skilled through alternative routes rather than a bachelor's degree. It's time to tear the paper ceiling and see the stars beyond it. Find out how you can make stars part of your talent strategy at tearthepaperceiling.org. Brought to you by Opportunity at Work and the Ad Council. Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! gentlemen welcome to the sports insanity podcast on the sports insanity network we are in the 12th game bottom of the eighth inning here late we're tired but it doesn't matter because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result and if you got that out of just us then we're not doing our job right we're here to bring you in to the same fun podcast week after week. And this night, uh, it's just the two Mets fans because the Yankee fans don't want to deal with anything tonight. So it's me, Mark Oldowski Halpern, along with the one and only Mike, the pun master Rifkin. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, sir. What, what an intro. Yeah, I know. Probably the longest one I've ever done. But we got, we got an interesting night for you as we're trying to broaden our uh, second version of our multi-sport platform here during the week. So, Mike, we're going to kick it right over to you. Why don't you get us started? Ooh, all right. So I, I want – this is not just me talking. This is, I want everyone to know this. I want the listeners to know this. I want the SIN board to know this. I did not create the rundown. You created the rundown, and on the rundown, the first thing we're talking is we're talking Pac. Yeah, we're talking hockey. We're going to talk a little bit of Pac. So, and uh, uh, for all of you who do not know, I know barely anything about hockey. However, there's no one to better educate us than Mike, the pump master Rifkin. As he's going to take us into the first bit of news, and that's I'm going to butcher the guy's name, and even though it's a simple one, Jake Muzin. Muzin. I told you I was going to butcher it. <laughs> yeah. Jake Muzin of the Toronto Maple Leafs will miss the rest of the regular season due to injury, recovering from a cervical spine injury the club announced. So 
Uh, Muzzin appeared in just four games this year for the Leafs, had one assist. So you're not missing offense from Jake Muzzin. That's not his game. His game is good defender, some grit and toughness in the lineup. So that's what the Leafs will be missing. Now, how they combat this with the trade deadline a week from today. By the way, myself, I believe Nate Moser and Noah Trombley are going to do a live edition breakaway bandits next Friday afternoon during the trade deadline right right here on the SIN YouTube page. So close eye out for that. But could, do the Leafs go out and make a deal for another defenseman? Probably. Just wondering who it would be, but there are names out there. But uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Leafs here because they're probably going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. So you need a little bit of grit and toughness against Tampa's skill. So that's a big loss for the Leafs. Now, Mike, you had brought up that next week's coming into the um, trade deadline here in the NHL. Mm -hmm. What are the big rumors going out there right now? that um, if you were not a Rangers fan, if you were non-biased, what would you be looking to see what's going on or what's going to happen? So, so taking biasness away, so the Patrick Kane Rangers stuff, I'm going to put off to the side for a second. Um, Timu Meyer from the San Jose Sharks, I'm interested on where he goes. Um, there have been rumors about Buffalo as a possibility. Uh, St. Louis has been mentioned as a possibility, although I'm going to get into them in a second. Um, Winnipeg has been mentioned. The New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes. With the news of what happened today, which is Jets rookie Cole Perfetti being out the next eight weeks with a lower body injury, now would be an interesting time if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, who I'll say it here, I think have a really good chance to win the Western Conference this year. Okay. Excuse me. They're really deep. They're really good. So if they think they're that, move away. Do it. Same thing with Carolina or the Devils. Buffalo could do it, but they would have to sign him to a long-term deal, which they could do. So Timo Myers, a guy I'm watching. Uh, Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. He's a defenseman who I'm waiting to see. I think we're all waiting to see. It's been almost a year and a half since they've talked trade with him. So that's a guy I would watch. I would also keep tabs on Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks. Goal score, being granted an opportunity to look at a change of scenery. Guy who could score, has a great shot. And there are a couple of other teams I would look at from a buyer standpoint. The top three in the central, I'm looking Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado. By the way, Colorado, who's rolling right now. (laughs) Um, They've had a lot of injuries. So if they think they can add a piece here that can help them in the playoff playoff run, they're going to be dangerous again. You go to the East, I think you're going to watch Carolina and the Devils see what they do, but watch the Lightning. 
I know people are going to say I'm weird for saying this, but the Lightning have been the three straight Stanley Cup finals. But the Leafs have already made a trade. The Boston Bruins made a really good trade yesterday, getting Garnet Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov from the Washington Capitals. Tampa's sitting there, and this is the time of year where Tampa has something up their sleeve. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Tampa Bay Lightning made a, I want to say a big move, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Lightning made a smart move. So would you consider the Tampa Bay Lightning to be like their sister sport, the Tampa Bay Rays, where they make trades like at the last minute and pull off an amazing one? They're actually the opposite of the race because they're not shedding payroll. They acquire payroll. Okay. They're, they're on the cap, which is part of the reason why their trade will probably have to facilitate a third team to eat some of the money. Okay. But I think the weirdest thing I'm going to say about Tampa is I don't think we're talking enough about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, we're all talking about how great Boston is, and Boston's really good. Are we, we're talking about can the Leafs win a playoff series for the first time in 20 years? And then we get distracted. Carolina's really good. The Devils are a really good story. Uh, the Rangers look like they're going to add another star on Broadway. And Tampa's just sitting there kicking their feet up and be like, surf's up, bros. What's good? Um, so I would watch Tampa. I'm curious to see what a team like Pittsburgh does, mainly because they're right there on the cusp of the wild card, but I don't think their roster is as good as it has been. Same thing with Washington, who's already started to sell off some pieces. But the team I, I really want to watch, I kind of just mentioned, the St. Louis Blues. Okay. Already sold off their captain, Ryan O'Reilly. They sold off Vladimir Tarasenko, and they lost – Three to two in overtime last night against the Vancouver Canucks, and their coach Craig Berube ripped them apart, saying the star players aren't playing with any passion or emotion. Which usually that's the first sign of it's in one ear out the other, and you want to see how they respond. But I think St. Louis. I wrote this today. It's on the network website. I think the Blues are the biggest disappointment in the NHL. I know Ivan Barbashev is a guy who's been talked about in trade talks. Um, I wonder if they'll pull any other triggers on any other deals between now and next Friday. So I would watch St. Louis from a seller's point of view. Mind you, uh, normally on SIP and our second SIP, we normally don't get a lot of hockey talking, but now that, Football has made its way out. We're, you know, slowly making our transition into basketball and hockey as baseball is slowly marinating and getting there. So we want to make sure we try to cover as much as possible in a year so we don't sound one-dimensional and let alone two-dimensional technically how we are. But, Mike, you were also saying that now in the bias part, what you want to see the Rangers do. Now we'll let you talk to Rangers. Well, I don't think this is biasness. I think it's just 
it's been widely reported that Patrick Kane would only take a deal to the New York Rangers after he was upset when they traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. And Patrick Kane, who is a future Hall of Famer. That much I do know. <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, his numbers aren't the same, but that Chicago team isn't as good as it's been in, in, in a few years. So maybe the spotlight of New York City would re would ignite the flame and he'd go back into the playoffs, which could make the Rangers a very, very interesting team come playoff time. So. What would it take to bring somebody like his uh, – how do I want to say it? His player style, his uh, experience, so, et cetera. So uh, the question is what does Chicago want? The Rangers also have to free up cap space, which is would mean corresponding moves or third team comes into the trade. Um, I think I'm going to start at the top with Vitaly Kratzoff who was former first-round pick, number nine overall. But he l- – listen, the Rangers are very deep. And Vitaly Kratzov, I'm not going to sit here and say the Rangers gave him a great opportunity to play top six, top nine minutes, but they're at a place where they're so talented that you're not going to get the minutes you think you deserve. Okay. And and so he would probably be on the list of guys who I would move, or they can even put him on waivers. There's also been speculation. He goes back to Russia and plays in the KHL. Um, The Rangers have a couple of other prospects they could move. The one name I would not move is Brennan Ottman, who's been playing really well uh, over in Canada. So, and the Rangers have a first round pick that they haven't, you, that they still have a first-round pick despite trading one for Tarasenko. They still have another one, which really helps them in this situation. So I would think for Chicago, it's probably picks, maybe a prospect or two, and you go from there. But um, if they can funnel some money out to get that contract in, just because for the regular season you have to meet the cap, Playoffs, the cap does not matter. Okay. You know, like I said, when it comes down to hockey, I'm really like one of the weakest performers on this network of knowledge when it comes to hockey. However, I understand it, you know, and if I'm going to talk about it, I'd rather have someone like Mike or Noah here who I know would be able to make sure I don't greatly screw up. But if I'm looking at the NHL standings, the two top teams obviously are, well, I'm going to screw this up anyway. I I look at it in the Eastern Conference, you got the Boston Bruins, and in the Western Conference, you got the Vegas Golden Knights. (laughs) Obviously, there are a lot of other teams that are right around them, but if you look at top two right now, that's how I see it in conferences. I look at everything and Mike, you know, my question is, is the person who you're hoping for, Patrick Kane, is playing on the Chicago Blackhawks. Am I correct? He is on the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. As a as a team, they ain't that good. You know. <laughs> well, 
they're in the midst of a rebuild, and which their new general manager has been very vocal about. And they would also trade their captain, Jonathan Tate, but they can't. Um, he has long-term COVID, which makes yeah. him – they <laughs> can't trade him. So hopefully Jonathan Tate feels better. But um, I think where they – I want to say the Blackhawks screwed the pooch here a little bit, but they kind of did because they could have made these deals with these two guys during the off season or whenever, when they knew this was going to happen, but they played their hand and Patrick Kane, who has a no trade clause could basically say where he wants to go. And if he wants to be a Ranger and the Rangers can make this deal happen. He'll be a Ranger. Now, obviously, when it comes to value of one, one skater's worth over another, it's not as easy for me to say like when it's in football or basketball or baseball, but Mike can answer this because he knows hockey better than most of us. What is a player like Patrick Kane worth right now? When you say what is he worth? Okay, so let uh, let me make it more uh, a little bit easier. Let's say we're at the trade deadline for uh, baseball, and you're the New York Yankees needing a pitcher. Okay, and the Yankees we know have no problem spending money, whatnot. The Yankees would be willing to bring on a top player for. X amount of money is Patrick Kane. Obviously, we, as you said, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. If you want me to equivalent this to something, I think bringing Patrick Kane to the Rangers, I can use this in our terms as Mets fans. I think it'd be almost like bringing Max Scherzer when the Mets signed Max Thank Scherzer. You. Okay. Um, but that's I how think, I'm understanding it. So when you compare right. it like that, that's how I can understand it. I, I think the Ranger, what, what this would do for the Rangers is it would give them a very lethal top two lines. When you're talking Tarasenko and Kane on the right side, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin on the left side. So, and then Mika Zibanejad, Vincent Trochik in the middle. So Gerard Gallant would have to have some figuring out to do, but. Um, how how the lines would look, but it would give them a lot of depth. Now, mind you, just listening to Mike uh, talk all those names out with perfect, you know, elocution and all that. How he how he said it, I couldn't have said half those names. I would just said the guy with a Z and the other guy with a P. You know, I I could not say these names. Properly, that's why if I'm going to talk hockey, I have somebody here who can pronounce it so we don't sound silly. So now I understand what you're saying would do, it would do for the Rangers. On the overall outlook right now, obviously the Rangers are trailing. As I said, the Boston Bruins are at the top of the Eastern Conference and the Rangers are trailing them technically by 18 points. Is a player like... Came would that put them within striking distance? Or I know what you're saying a, a player of his caliber can do, and I know what you're saying he's worth, but I'm saying could he actually jolt the Rangers, let's say within 10 points? Would an acquisition like him make it to a 10 point 
difference instead of what it is right now, almost 20. So, so the great thing about well, the great thing about the NHL play, Stanley Cup playoffs is they've changed the format where they now have the top three in each division and then two wild cards. So the Rangers wouldn't have to play the Boston Bruins, for example, until the Eastern Conference finals. Okay. So I, I think what Patrick King would bring is a wealth of experience. He would bring experience in winning a cup, which only one other guy on this roster really has, and that's Barkley Goodrow. Um, but if you're going to ask me how they would match up against Boston, um, I'd be intrigued by the matchup just for this sake, because Boston for me has one of the most dy- I want to say dynamic because he's one of the best defensive centers in all, of all time in Patrice Bergeron, and he is so good at fate, winning faceoffs. They'll rename the Selkie Trophy for best defensive forward. They should rename it after him. Um, between him and David Krejci in the circle, what it's going to come down to for the Rangers, if they get Patrick Kane, or even if they didn't, what made them special last year in the playoffs was that were their best players were their best players. And it sounds simple enough, but your best players have to be your best players. And you need certain guys at key times to step up. So if they can get if they can get Patrick Kane or out of this, okay. But they then they have to figure out the line combinations, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, can they fix not fix, but can the power how's the power play gonna work? You need all of these things to go right to, to go deep into the playoffs. And the Rangers are saying, listen, we're in a little bit of a cap crunch situation here. We're going to push our chips in if we get if they get Patrick Kane. And that would be, you know, all points, you know, would be great to see. Uh, we know the Rangers will make the playoffs. I'm not too worried about that. Um, would love nothing more to see them in a Stanley, uh, Stanley Cup. Um, but this is something more and more that, we got to get into here on the sports insanity podcast is more, a little bit more hockey and a little bit more of our next sport that we're going to actually get to. So Mike, that's it for hockey. You can go now. No, just kidding. Um, I'll see you later. <laughs> as we're going to move into the uh, land of basketball, the second half has just begun and the Lakers, I am convinced Mike are cursed. I think the Lakers are starting to turn into the cursed franchise of the NBA. They cannot catch a break on health-wise. And we see LeBron getting injured. We see Anthony Davis getting injured. But one of the players who the Lakers picked up who's actually been good is D'Angelo Russell. And now he is now about to miss four to six weeks with the high ankle sprain. I know that the bigger man upstairs, we know he's a uh, Knicks fan because only the man upstairs can still get away with the fact that it's named Madison square garden, but it's built round. So he gets to laugh all the time at that, but what is going on in LA? What, what, why 
is everything that points to a championship team can happen. Karma. Karma. This team, listen, this team isn't good enough to win a title. They weren't constructed well enough to win a title. But we always have to say, oh, the Lakers are a championship contender because LeBron James plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. And and that's something that we've had to kind of choke down. Now, mind you, yes, LeBron did get his big accomplishment with um, you know, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but we're not going to tote on that more than we need to because we've talked about it enough. But you got, I think Mike said it perfectly, is that we've all come to live in a world where LeBron James is the best player and the best player, you should have championship winning teams. But that's not the case. They gave up so much flexibility in players and picks when they trade for Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. The worst kept secret was Anthony Davis wanted to be a Laker. That was the worst kept secret. And Magic Johnson, with all due respect, was willing to give up the farm for Anthony Davis. And that's kind of put this team in a bad position going forward. I mean, look, it's good as unibrow is. Look, I, I watched the kid play at Duke. I watched him start his career off in New Orleans and everything. He's not been the same since coming to L.A. I hate using this term, but I think Anthony Davis is overrated. And I'm unfortunately leaning, I'm trying not to use the same word, but it's what it is. Well, he, he's not healthy enough to, to be considered a superstar. And he's the second, he's the second guy on his own team. Exactly. And that's always been an issue with, um, how do you want to, what's the right word? when you take an all-star team, let's just call it what it is, is that nobody's in it for the team as they're in it for themselves. Part of the reason I hate all-star games, and I I know what they're for, they're supposed to be for the fans, but I'm I'm just going to speak something from the heart. If I can, fans are morons. Fans will vote for people who don't deserve to be an all-star. They vote for their own guy. No no offense to to anyone I'm about to offend, but is anyone going to sit here and tell me the Sacramento Kings are going to have an all-star? Or or they're one of the best stories in basketball. I don't know if they had an all-star this year. I would have to relook that up, but I know they had a guy in the three point contest. You know, the All Star game is what it is. It's always about the stars. But I don't think there is a guy. And listen, I I think they I think the two most overrated players in basketball both play in LA. Okay. 
I agree with you. Uh, you know, as I said, underrated. It's hard for uh, it's hard to use the word underrated on Anthony Davis, even though I agree with you. No, he's because, over. I'm I'm over. I think he's overrated. Oh, overrated. Sorry, my bad. We're on more. Sorry. Still, for a guy who puts up eighteen plus points a game, twelve plus rebounds a game, not an assist guy, not a steals guy. Should be averaging at least one to one and a half blocks a game. But now you look at LeBron James. Arguably the, well, not arguably, he is the all-time points leader by passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He is one of the best players to ever play the game. Let's call, you know, let's put him where he is. But I'm sorry. He does not deserve the term GOAT. That is reserved for Michael Jordan, and I don't care what anybody says. The commercial was never, I want to be like LeBron. It was, I want to be like Mike. The movie was also, I want exactly. to be like But not to take anything away from LeBron James and all that, but how the Lakers, I mean, look, when it was Kobe and Shaq and Robert Horry and all that, they won championships, Okay. They won, and Rob Fox, you know, they won championships. Mm-hmm. You, How can you explain to me how the likeness, not the likeness, the actual players were there, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook do not have a championship? How is it possible? Well, Russell Westbrook didn't fit. Like, like Russell Westbrook was a quarter, and this is where I feel bad for Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was put in a situation where he had to adapt his game. Excuse me, but he's so late. I don't want to say late, but he's so deep in his career where adapting is going to be hard. He's used to playing with the ball in his hands, but guess what? LeBron needs the ball in his hands. Russ has never been a great shooter. Guess what LeBron needs around him? Guys who could shoot the basketball. I mean, when we watch what – Westbrook start out his career in the Thunder. I mean, the guy was one of the most exciting players in basketball at the time. You I know, think that's the bigger disappointment. That team didn't win. With no, him, uh, with Durant with him and, and him. Kevin and, and James Harden and Serge Ibaka. I mean, that's another ex- uh, not excuse. That's another example of a, another team that should have had multiple championships. But Westbrook is not averaging the triple doubles he once was. He's luckily to make one shot out of 40 that he takes lately. Well, now he'll play in the other hallway for the Clippers. So. Right. So, I Which, mean. I think that a lot, that might actually work because he at least has played with Paul George before. This is true. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. But I, I just truly think that the Lakers are just, just a cursed team right now and I just I it's like the Red Sox uh, of basketball well I I think a lot of teams who are in the LeBron sweepstakes 2.0 or 3.0 we're going to be put in a position where I have to win now because LeBron's 38 years old. How many more years is LeBron going to play for my franchise? That's right. the big thing you will 
all these GMs and owners have to ask themselves. And luckily for the Lakers, even though they, they sold their soul for it, they won in 2020. Now, I don't care how you feel about winning in the bubble, but that'll always be on his resume. Right. And uh, nothing we're going to do is going to be able to change that because it was what it was, you know. Yeah, 2020, Kyrie 2019. Comes up with a time machine. Right. You know, and we go back and kill the bat. But, and, and not Michael Keaton. But, um, you know, now to come across the country to a little bit of home reality, the New York Knicks, who were down by 20 points to start off our night, are, are now. Ahead They're up by one the after three. Quarter, thank God. Um, against the Washington uh, Generals. I almost, almost said Capitals. <laughs> now the Rangers play them tomorrow. Yeah, almost said the Washington Capitals, but um, made a nice little wake-up call. But what I want to talk about the Knicks, Mike, is we're right now in playoff stages with the Knicks. My question is, can they make a run at the fourth seed? Okay, so, so just so everyone is currently aware they're in the sixth seed. They're four games out behind Cleveland for that fourth seed. I'm not going to guarantee they get the four, but I think they can get to five with the way, with what's transpired in Brooklyn. I think, think the Knicks could get to five. I don't know if they'll get to four. Okay. I still like Cleveland a lot. Well, the Cavaliers are, are – Let's call it what they are. They're a damn good ball club. You know, they're they're not a weak club by any by any uh, sense of the way. But and the Knicks are getting some help tonight because the Nets are losing to the Chicago Bulls by nineteen in the middle of the second quarter. I mean, after like Mike said, after what transpired in New Jersey and watching the cancer go down to Dallas and the other one go to the Phoenix Suns, hoping to, you know, go to a championship there. Have the Nets allowed them shoot to shoot themselves in the foot with all this? Do you think? No, I, I actually think the Nets did the right thing. Okay. And I know a lot of people are going to say, you're crazy if you think they did well by trading two of the top, 10 best players in the league, but Kyrie Irving is nothing more than a distraction. No matter what he does, he's a distraction. And if Kevin Durant wasn't going to play or was unhappy, you get draft picks at, and Mikael Bridges, who's a pretty good player out of this. You recoup the assets you lost when you traded for James Harden, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that – how. Talk about failures. James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. And they couldn't. And another another set that arguably goes into what we were saying before that should have won a championship. I mean, and, and you now the next headache the Nets are gonna have to get rid of, and it can't happen probably till the offseason is Ben Simmons, who's not playing tonight due to left knee soreness. Well, how sore is your knee if you haven't played? Because this is your first game back from the all-star break. And we'll get to Ben in a minute because there's something else I want to bring up about him. But all-star teams have been put together all over the league, and they've 
simultaneously almost all failed lately. I mean, if you look, I mean, we're, I mean, Mike saying the fifth spot for the Knicks, especially what's happening with the Nets. I say it's a good chance for fourth. Mind you, as Mike said, there's a big obstacle. It's called the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're not a slouch of a team. They're it's Damn also putting one. your faith in the Knicks. <laughs> right. And obviously, you know, between Mike, Dan, myself, um, we throw stuff at TVs when our teams are doing bad. Mike, more on hockey than basketball, but. Um, I, I've learned not to put all my eggs in the Knicks. <laughs> but yeah, you, you can see Dan and I, uh, especially from a couple of years ago when we were watching the uh, Atlanta series when they lost in the first round didn't help. The Knicks have a nice young crop of players. And one of my favorites being RJ Barrett, who, mind you, yes, I was one of the New York Hopeful who wanted Zion, but I was very happy with RJ. And I've defended him throughout. But he's just not performing as the shooting guard we need him to. Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride are doing a much better job at starting. Is it time, Mike, to say to RJ, let's bench you a couple games and make you come off the bench? Would that wake him up a little bit? Whenever I watch RJ Baird and he misses a shot, I just go, that could have been Donovan Mitchell. I'm nodding along with Mike for those of you who can't tell by my the motion and hearing my neck click from all the metal that's in it Um, I didn't see them trading RJ to get Mitchell but Mitchell should definitely be there I think that was the focal point I think it was RJ and picks but I'm going to digress but listen young players are going to be streaky um, that that's just a way they go, but um, I'm with you. I think Grimes has played really well. I think Miles McBride's played really well. Josh Hart, since he's come in, has played. Yes, well. I, I one mean, of the greatest. Be, well, not the greatest, but yeah, actually, yeah, one of the greatest pickups for the Knicks this year. Let's call it what it is. I, I, I mean, the best Knicks addition this year is Jalen Brunson. Yes, who, but by the way, speaking of all stars. Jalen Brunson should have been an all-star, but I'll the biggest snub. everyone knows so much about the all-star game. Yay! And everybody, look, the all-star game was fun, but you want to, you know, that's been the problem. And it's not just in basketball. It goes for all sports that it's a – it's not about the fans – it's it's about the players. It's not it's not where it should be. It, it should be picked by the managers, not by your fan votes who gets the most picks. I mean, that's how, that's how it should be. And to me, yeah, the slam dunk contest was fun. I loved watching the skills challenge this year, watching that jet those jazz three play. That was nice. That was fun. I, I've given. I gave up a little bit on the Saturday night because the dunk contest hadn't been good in a few years. Um, they added something with the skills challenge, like the, the passing through that looks like yeah. that old football arcade game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where you have to throw throw up through the hole. I enjoyed the three point contest, but by I the way, is is there a more underrated superstar than Damian Lillard? <laughs> he is. He's always. I mean, over the last ten years, just not disappointed. Such a good ball player. And and I have more respect for him than I do a lot of other players because he stayed in Portland. Well, for yeah, he stayed in for his whole career, which only in basketball you can really count it on two in more nowadays player, you can only count it on uh, two hands because it's not as common anymore as it was in the 80s and stuff like that to stay with your team your whole career. Nowadays, Mike, you and I have discussed it. It's always where the money is. Yeah. Cue it up. But Damian Lillard came out, 10-year veteran, wins the three-point contest with, you know, a nice shot. He has a great rotation on the ball. But to me, the biggest joke was Julius Randle. I'm sorry. I lo- Look, he's one of my favorite Knicks. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't belong in the three-point contest. It's it's more so you you made the game, so you have to participate in something. Right. I mean, look, Which, by Randall the way, has forty points right now going into the fourth quarter, uh, in the in the middle of the fourth quarter. He has forty points already tonight. I mean, that's the bulk of the Knicks scoring right now. It, it, it's mostly him, which is but, fine, but. It can't be a one-person team, so it, it it just doesn't work like that. Listen, all, all I'm going to say is, if it's because he made the All-Star team, he had to participate in something. I'm going to hold the NBA's feet to the fire here. LeBron said he would do a dunk contest, and he never did it. Right. And that so, will always be my vote against LeBron James. Yeah. He never participated in the dunk contest. See, I always wanted to see Kobe versus Vince. I thought that would have been absolutely amazing, but the you know the stars never aligned. And let's face it, we're never going to see LeBron do a dunk contest now. So no, no, I don't want him to do it. And not thirty-eight years old. No offense to him, I want him getting hurt. Him, him versus Jordan. Now that I see, (laughs) that would be fun. I, I, I mean, sure. Yeah. But basketball kidding aside, we're going to move into something that's happening. Well, not something. It's the Olympics of baseball is coming to us in just under two and a half weeks. And the reason why I want to talk about the WBC is not more or less what it's going to do for baseball. It's the main concern that every one of us have is injuries. And if you look at the WBC, it's loaded with MLB talent, mostly coming out of the Team America, which is, I mean, my God, is a $2 billion team on the field. And that's what Steve Cohen has in his wallet on any given day. But, Mike, we've discussed over the last few weeks that, you know, baseball's turning in as football was ramping down, where excited for the WBC because baseball strategically played different anywhere you go. One team, one country can be 
concentrated on hits and just moving the ducks on the pond, another team by power, another team defensively. What are you most excited to see and avoid? Obviously we know avoid is injuries, but let's take that injuries can happen all of a sudden and let's take those two things. Okay. The thing I would want to avoid because you're taking injuries out. If you're a team, Team USA, let's just say, just don't get embarrassed. Just don't don't get embarrassed. Play however well you can, but don't get embarrassed. The thing I'm excited for is just the atmosphere. Because I, I think when baseball is a game that is loved everywhere, Japan, uh, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, we're, we're talking massive crowds. So I'm excited for the fans and the atmosphere of the games. And also, it gets us closer to opening day. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, the thing, obviously, because we took, uh, as I said, I'm taking injuries out of the way. The thing I want to avoid is over news play. And what I mean by that is if there's a mistake, let's not repeat it 800 times in the span of an hour. Let's move on, say, here's what else happened. Let's not focus on one bad play in the span of 900 good ones. What I'm looking forward to seeing is the comment I made earlier that baseball's played strategically different all over the world. I can't wait to see how it's played because if you look at teams, obviously Team America is built around major league players and power and pitching and and base run, whatever. In countries like Japan, it's not about power hitting. It's about ball placement. It's about hitting them where they aren't. They don't rely. Yes, there are players who hit home runs, but don't rely. They don't rely on the long ball. They rely on style. This is going to be a dumb question. Are they allowing the shift? Because remember, MLB is doing away with the shift. This is a very good question, and I do not know the answer to it. So I know we know that coming out of Major League Baseball that the shift is going to be cut down on. I don't think there's exact verbal language that they're getting rid of it completely. Well, you can't get three more guys on the right side. So you have to... I believe you have to have your feet as an infielder on the grass, on the dirt. Okay. So I don't know if it's, uh, if international play has to follow what the ma- what major leagues makes changes to, but it's possible. I don't know though. Uh, normally that's not something we like to say on a podcast, but sometimes I don't know is a viable answer. You know, it's, Something this for us. This is where my go- friend, the Google, will pay off. Yes, the Google, the Google machine. Um, while Mike's getting that information, it may, it may or may not matter because when you look at a team like Japan and China, their defensive teachings are a hundred times different than what we're taught 
here. They would rather play the long game, unlike plays here where we try to make it the short game. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, go ahead, Mike. Okay, so this is from Bleacher Report. The 2023 World Baseball Classic will not implement the Major League Baseball's pitch clock, shift limit, or larger bases during the competition per Ronald Blum of the Associated Press. Okay, there's only one mistake, and that's not using the larger bases. I think the larger bases should be utilized. The pizza boxes, as Alex Cora calls them. <laughs> I mean... I understand. I mean, I, I would think first and third, yes, second base could stay the way it is. But for the amount of injuries that happen at first and third base, I understand the larger bases for that reason only. But, you know, that uh, the pitch clock, which is fairly new, it's really only being really utilized in AAA this year. And what was it? I think they were using it today in a couple of. Um, yeah, it's going to be at the big league level this year. By the second half, though, I don't know if it's going to be implemented right away. Uh, I mean, it worked. It, both games took two and a half hours, which is a far cry from what they could be, especially if you watch Steve Traxel one pitch. Wow. Um, but uh, I don't know which player it was. But you have eight seconds to get both feet into the batter's box before an automatic ball can be called. And that happened today. I know that much. I just don't Manny know. Manny Machado got the strike. It was Machado. Okay. Yeah. And I remember seeing come across. So, eight seconds for all of you who don't know who are, never played the game, eight seconds is not a short amount of time in baseball. To step into the box and all that, eight seconds doesn't come and go like that. Get into the box, get yourself straight, and then I think it's, what, 25 seconds or 20? Mm. I think it's 20 or 25 seconds for the pitcher to throw the ball, whatever, or make a play to first, whatever, or second, pickoff move, whatever. We'll see how it works. I'm, I, I have reservations about it, but I have understandings on why they're doing it. Um, it's all about pace, play, time of play. And I, you have to, you have to think that's got to be the main angle of it. Oh yeah, of course. Well, listen, I, I think if it wasn't, we would, we wouldn't have the, the rule that I hate the most, and that's the runner at second base. And see, I, I hated the rule. I still hate the rule. It's not like I'm going to change on it. But I guess I kind of understand it in extra innings only and not being allowed, obviously, during playoffs and stuff like that. I'll compromise, put them at first. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's not as bad. At least we're not saying put them at third. No. (laughs) Okay. Give that team a free run. Uh, Basically, you know, like the Marlins. Uh, Poor Marlins. But so, yeah, we're going to be seeing the implementation of certain things over the year. A lot of it will be shown off in uh, AAA as the pitch clock and other things. 
But the WBC is starting on March 9th. We will be having our breakdowns of it in the upcoming weeks as um, we will be assigning not pools because trust me, you don't want to listen to us talk for nine hours about trying to get one team's names right. Uh, We will have a number of like our blitzers who will be given a, a team that they will cover and we'll have nights that we're watching the WBC or quick uh, little news articles of what's going on to keep you informed as we're getting ready to transfer into what we all really can't wait for. And that's baseball season really to officially begin. And, you know, baseball is going to be fun and special this year, all, all over. I think this is going to be one of the, more exciting years of the last five or six um, as the weather is warming up, but not warm enough in New York for us to enjoy it. But and the other day it was shorts weather. Yes. The other day was shorts weather. Today was good old cold, 48 degrees. I don't like the cold. Who cares what I like and don't like? Um, don't like the cold. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I hate the cold. But for me, Mark Goldoff, Sky Halpern, along with Mike, the pun master, Rifkin, thank you for tuning in to the 12th game, bottom of the eighth inning here on the Sports Insanity Podcast here on the Sports Insanity Network. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at SINREAL. If I screwed that up, Dan, it's because I still don't know it, but I know how to post to it. Please check us out at www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com. It's, it's S Insanity Real. Say, same, Dan, what happens when you're not here? It's S Insanity Real for the Twitter page. For the webpage, please go to www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com for all our blog, vlogs, for all our podcasts. You can listen to them anywhere from Anchor to Spotify. Make sure. You check us out all the time. Watch Mike. He smiles. He's happy. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, have a nice week. We will see you Sunday morning, 11 a.m. live for Batters Up, where we will be covering what this weekend, Mike? We'll cover both West, the AL and NL West. The AL and the NL West, who really cares about the NL West? Let's just get rid of those teams, and then the Mets have an easier time to make it to the World Series. But for Mark Goldopsai, Halpern, along with Mike, the Palm Master Rifkin, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch you on the flip. Namaste. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here, president of the Sports and Sandy Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsandsandynetwork where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports and Sandy Network.